Welcome to Love String, love stories that tie us all together. I am your host, Rachel Fiorello, a true believer in love and now a dedicated teller of love stories. In episode 21, you'll meet Jackie. Jackie walks us through her journey of becoming a mom and the beautiful love story she was able to have after welcoming her first child. So sit back, open up your hearts, and get ready to fall in love. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. I was really excited to be a part of this project. Yeah, I am actually really excited to hear your love story because what we are going to be talking about today is not so much your typical, you know, love type of story. So why don't you kind of take it from there and let us know what your love story is? Yeah, when I um, heard your podcast, I loved the idea so much and I loved your story. And for some reason, the very first story that popped into my mind was not a traditional love story, but it was the, I felt so passionate about sharing it because it really is um, the greatest love story of in my husband's life. Um, and so for us, it started in 2004 when my husband and I got married and um, I really, we both knew we wanted to start a family, but I had like known that I wanted to be a mom forever. I know that I meet some people and it doesn't kick in till later, but I was like a little girl obsessed with babies and just pregnancy and family and all those things. And I was excited to be a mom. So we decided in the beginning of our relationship that we weren't going to like try to have a baby right away. We had gotten married pretty young. I was only 23, but that we weren't going to prevent it. And whatever happened, happened. And that was fine. I also, in the back of my mind, felt like I probably was going to have some fertility issues um, because of just some different things in my past. So I thought it might take a while, but we had like all the time in the world. No problem. I wasn't worried long term. I just thought it might take longer than typical. So we just went on and had fun and we had all these life experiences and it was a really great phase of marriage to where we got to lay a really strong foundation and just enjoy each other. But probably around um, when it had been about five years and I had never, I mean, because I mean, I thought I would at least, I don't know. I just thought something would happen and nothing had happened. So <laughs> like a little scare. Yeah, and it was like absolutely nothing. So then I was like, okay, well now I am more worried. And that's when we first um, went to the doc, the well, a fertility specialist, because I had been to the OBGYN and the gyno um, before that, but um, I would thought it was time to see a specialist, even though I still really actually wasn't that worried because I felt really young and like it wasn't, I don't know. I thought something easy could probably fix it, but it seemed like I had a, I had a severe case of PCOS. Um, I was never ovulating. They basically, not to get into too many details of that, but basically they're, they were very bleak in the outcome of me probably ever getting pregnant naturally. But I like am a researcher and I looked into different things that I could do. And I was like, okay, we're just going to keep rolling along because I wasn't ready for any next steps. And um, I even was very open. Well, we both were very open to adoption because even adoption was something that I was on my heart as a really 
young child. Like when I knew what it was, it was something that I was like, oh, that's amazing and beautiful. And it's something I was open to. So it didn't have to be a baby that um, I gave birth to. It, it just, I knew that I was supposed to be somebody's mom. And so we um, were looking into all the different avenues. But then um, as the years went on, we did end up having a failed adoption, which was very heartbreaking because I, it's funny because we only got about halfway through. Like I know some people who went through failed adoptions that like literally like the day the baby was born, it all fell apart or, or even further. But for us, it happened a few months before, um, you know, the mom was due to give birth. But even as soon as we were kind of matched up, I was already like daydreaming and this it was a little boy and he was like gonna be our little boy so it was hard and and I also learned though that adoption is not it's a much more complicated process than I thought because you know sometimes people in passing when you're going through these trouble troubles they um they kind of simplify things and they're like oh well you can just adopt but even that is I mean the road to parenthood is not easy for some people sure. and um so we um, we were really sad and we went back to the fertility specialist and he actually ran some additional testing that he hadn't done before because of some various reasons. And this one actually, because in the back of my mind, I was always thinking that, you know, at some point I was just like, I don't know, everything was going to align. And I, cause I would read all these stories of people who didn't think they could get pregnant and then they got pregnant. And at this visit, he had checked um, my my tubes and he had said, oh, your tubes are completely blocked. No matter what, like you you will never have a baby naturally on your own. You, If you want to do something and now I was getting, you know, older, um, he was like, you need to do IVF and it probably should be sooner rather than later. And that made me really, really sad because I had still been working really hard to like on my health and on normalizing PCOS and other hormonal imbalances that I had. But now I was told that like, no matter what I did, it was never going to make any difference like for, because it just wasn't going to happen. Right. So we were really sad. Um, and it, it was really hard to process. We didn't know how we felt about IVF because again, that's another thing that people say it, when somebody's struggling and they're like, well, you can just do IVF. That's also a really complicated, expensive, not sure thing process. And it's really a lot to go through body, mind, and spirit. And I have so much respect for fertility, infertility warriors. Um, that's what we call ourselves, <laughs> but because they just, it's so much harder than people understand unless they've walked it or they had somebody very close to them walk it because it's not a simple decision. And it didn't, it wasn't something that we, we just didn't feel peace about it. It's not that we were against it, but it just, we couldn't go all in with it. So we didn't, and we kind of just like, let's continue to think about it, pray about it. We don't really know what's happening, but really we were processing kind of a type of grief because it wasn't, it, it wasn't that we for sure would never have a child, but it's like, we were grieving that it was never just gonna happen the way that it happened for everyone else. I mean, not everyone, but a lot of other people. Um, and it was hard. So we kind of didn't have a plan from there forward. Um, and in my family, we had um, the greatest tragedy we had ever faced. 
And my brother um, very unexpectedly died uh, at 30 years old in January of 2013. That, well, you know, it rocks your world in a way that you can't possibly imagine. But the thing that I took away from it that was something I was unexpected for me was, I mean, I had lost a brother, which was terrible. I think any loss is just the hardest thing that you can go through in life. But my mom and dad, but especially my mom, um, had lost a son. And seeing that, I mean, it just was the worst thing I could have witnessed. I knew that her pain, I know that, you know, you're not supposed to compare pain and it all is tragic and hard, but the pain of a mom losing her child was just unspeakable. And I got to a point where I was talking to my husband and I was like, you know what? I maybe wasn't cut out to be a mom at all because as much as I love the relationship I have with my mother and I love family and I love children and I, with the great unspeakable love that you get when you have a baby, you also have this terrible, tragic, possible heartache because when you love someone and something that much um, and you don't have, cont have control over life, things can happen. So it really affected me. And we kind of were just like, maybe we're going to explore life without kids at all. And we will be like the best aunts and uncles to our friends' kids. Um, because Aww. there's so many ways to have kids in your life. And um, we just will invest in other ways. And we kind of were just going to sit right there. I mean, I don't know what would have happened in the future, but that is where we were in 2013. So we were just kind of pursuing other things. And um, in the beginning of 2014, I was not feeling, it, it was, I wasn't feeling sick. I was just not feeling right. I don't know if you under, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't feeling yeah, I absolutely. Wasn't bad, but I just wasn't feeling normal and I couldn't pinpoint what was happening. And then, and that was like January. And then like February, it was like getting a little more intense. And, but I didn't even understand what, I couldn't describe how I felt. I just would tell people that I didn't feel right. And I also was like having some like lower stomach, like discomfort and sometimes like digestive issues. And I'm the kind of person that does not run to the doctor. So really I have to be pretty worried about something to go to the doctor. So usually I wait quite a while. And But, but typically in life, you wait a while and then like it clears up. Like maybe you have, a, I don't know, a, the flu and then you don't go to the doctor, but then in five days you're like, well, so it's like, you didn't need to go anyway. So that's like me. Well, by March, I really was very concerned that something was wrong with me. And I was terrified that I had ignored it so long that now I was going to go to the doctor and they were going to tell me I had like a stomach tumor or like some sort of intestinal cancer, which is so terrible. But, and that like, it was too late because I had ignored it all these months. And so it was like, I think it was March 17th or 18th. I should know the exact date, but I can't remember. Um, and 
I was talking to my mom. My husband was at work at the fire station. So the fire station, you do 24 hour shifts. So he was like going to be gone till the next day. And I was talking to my mom. I think we were trying to like watch a movie and I couldn't watch the movie because I just had all this anxiety in my heart because I knew that I had been ignoring this thing. And I knew if I went to the doctor, you know how doctors are, you go in, but then they're like, we'll send you for blood work. We'll send you for like a scan. Yeah. And you like still don't know anything for like a while. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm not that kind of person either. I guess I'm not patient. And so <laughs> I said to my mom, I said, mom, my like emergency room copay is not that different than my copay at the doctor's office. I think I'm going to the emergency room because I am really worried because I just, things do not feel okay. And I, and I'm afraid, I really was afraid that I had a tumor or something. And, um, so my mom said, okay, let's go to the emergency room. It was, it was like 10 PM. Um, on like, I don't know, whatever day of the week it was, it was the middle of the week. And luckily when I did get to the emergency room, they were not busy, which that doesn't always happen. And so I got <laughs> to walk right in and they asked me a bunch of questions. And one of the questions that they asked me was, could you be pregnant? Cause that's what they, everyone asks if you're of childbearing years, like, could you be pregnant? That was like the right. most stingy, ouchy question for me because, of course, no, I was told absolutely not. There is no way. So I told them that and they said, OK, well, we're going to do your blood work now and we're going to send you down the hall to to do an ultrasound and then we'll see what's going on. And I went down the hall to the ultrasound and I was literally I mean, on the inside, my anxiety was so high because I was so sure that they were going to do the ultrasound. Well, and also with an ultrasound tech, they also don't want to tell you anything right away. So I was like, right. she's going to see cancer. I don't know what I, th I don't even know what they can and can't see, but in my mind, she was going to see cancer and she was going to feel horrible for me, but she was not going to be able to tell me. And they were going to send me to another room and the doctor is going to give me the bad news. I, I have an active imagination. So I'm already, <laughs> you, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. There. So I already had it completely all played out in my head. I was glad my mom was with me. And um, she starts to do the ultrasound. And I said to her, because I'm very, I don't know, I wanted her to tell me, I said, if you see something bad, are you going to be able to tell me? And she goes, well, it depends on what I see. And I was like, okay, well, what do you see? And she flipped the screen around. And she said, that's your baby. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and when she said that, it felt like my mom's eyes were like huge and watery. <laughs> like, and for me, it felt like all of a sudden I was in like a dream sequence where this wasn't my real life anymore. I was like, oh, I'm dreaming this. This is one of my dreams. This is not real life. But when she flipped the screen around, I was expecting to see a little tiny gummy bear, like on my friend's ultrasound when they, had, <laughs> when they had a first ultrasound. And so I'm already trying to process like, but I can't be pregnant. I was told for sure I couldn't be pregnant and I am pregnant. And the baby that I saw was a whole baby and her little arm was waving. And um, I said, oh my gosh. that's impossible. And she's like, yep. You're already over 18 weeks. Do you want to know the gender? And I, I, I truly, it did not feel like real life. 
I was still just processing it. And I should have waited for my poor husband who wasn't there, but I was like, sure. And she's like, it's a girl. And (laughs) it was so sad for me only that Sean wasn't there. Um, but it was so amazing. I mean, of course I would have been happy if it was a boy, but I was excited to have a daughter. And, but I like literally just kept pinching myself. And I, my heart was like now full of this, instead of anxiety, this like, I hit the lottery excitement that this could be my real life. And um, it was truly the most surreal experience ever. And the next thing I did was, it was the middle of the night at this point, like probably midnight. And I called Sean obsessively for like probably three hours, but he, see at the fire department, if he's on calls, his phone is on silent. And then if he's not on calls, they sleep overnight. And so he did not see the calls for a really long time. And people are always like, why didn't you like do something really cute? Like after all these years, it had been like a decade. Why didn't you do something cute or something? And I was like, I couldn't because it was just like, I needed to tell him right away. And I was just too overwhelmed to do something cutesy. Oh my goodness. So, so he's sleeping in the middle of the night. You're incessantly calling. He's not answering. So well, what happened? you know, what happened was I really could not, I was jumping out of my skin. I couldn't go to the fire station because of many reasons. So I did end up calling some of my best friends because I had to tell people because I was just out of my mind excited. I did not sleep that entire night. Um, and I didn't even feel tired the next day because I was like high on baby. I was like that excited. (laughs) And, but I did finally get in touch with him and I told him and he did not believe me. It was, it's not like he thought I was lying. It's like he had to go through the same process because in our minds, it was not even slightly a possibility. So it wasn't like it was improbable. It was impossible. And he, I remember he was like, are you sure? And I was like, Sean, I saw her. She was just there, a whole baby. And she, and he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, this whole time, we didn't even know she was there. Like you didn't go to any doctor's appointments. And I was like, babe, if she made it this far without me, I think she's fine. (laughs) Like, I think we even ate sushi. Like, you know how you go through all these things that has happened that maybe wouldn't have been the perfect thing. I was like, I ate sushi and I might've had like a sip of wine and I might've eaten deli meat. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is March. You just find out you're like 18 (laughs) weeks pregnant and what is happening? Like, where do you go from there? Funny because I had a sense of urgency to like do all these things because I felt like I missed out on so much, but really the first couple trimesters, you don't really do much at the doctor's office. But I mean, the next week, because I was already so far along, I had our anatomy scan, which was so magical for us because we had only known we were pregnant for a week and we got to like, just, you know, to see your little hands and feet and nose and like mouth. And it, we were, I just, I would say that every single week after that, I mean, people were like, wow, you didn't find out till halfway through, like, did you feel rushed? But really we had been preparing our hearts and lives for a little human to come into our life in some way for so long that it could have been like a month until the baby was born and we would have been joyfully preparing. And it still kind of felt long for me, even though it was short. 
because I just couldn't wait to meet her. We were ready in baby mode. I had just such such a beautiful, supportive, loving family and friends network that blessed our lives with so much love and had been praying for us for so many years. And it was beautiful because a lot of people had faith for me to have a baby, even after we were told the grimmest of news. And at the time it had kind of irritated me if I was completely honest, because I was like, no, but they said it can't happen. And they were like, well, you never know, um, miracles happen. And that annoyed me because I was like, well, no. And But now I kind of see it as people like keeping the hope alive for me when I couldn't. And I try to do that and make that kind of space sure. for my friends when they can't because I think that there are just times in our lives that feel very dark and we can't have the hope that it's going to maybe get better or that things are going to be okay. So um, it was a beautiful thing that they did for me and I didn't even realize it, but people just, I mean, the celebrations that we had to um, get ready for her, they were just the sweetest moments of our entire lives. And um, the day that she was born, uh, I was very overdue and I, which was very, <laughs> so I, um, of course, because I had been, you know, waiting to be pregnant for so long and I wanted to just cherish every single moment. And actually, I don't know if this is because of a mental thing, because I wanted to be pregnant so much, or if really my body just likes pregnancy, because every time I say this, other ladies roll their eyes, but I loved pregnancy. It was I did. I never felt uncomfortable. I never had trouble sleeping. Every movement of the baby to me was just the most dreamy, magical thing that could happen in my life. And so being pregnant, I liked it. I liked the whole thing. But um, I really wanted it all to go like, you know how you have these ideals in your brain and you want it to be picture perfect. And so I was supposed to like be in the middle of doing something and my water was supposed to break right at 40 weeks and I was supposed to go to the hospital and have this, I don't know, however the birth was supposed to go, but I did not have that happen. And she was overdue. <laughs> and by the time we got to like, it was almost 42 weeks and they don't really let you go past that. And I was like, okay, great. I guess now we're gonna have an induction. So anyways, that was just a side note that like, things just don't go as planned. But um, we, we yeah. went to the hospital. I was excited. It's funny. I, I really didn't, I wasn't even like worried about labor and delivery because I just thought that I was never going to get the honor to do it. And um, of course, once I was experiencing it, it was more intense than my mind had imagined, <laughs> but, but it was still sure. such, I just felt so blessed that I got to do it. And um when I met her, I just, you know, for me, I, I felt like in all those moments, I was like, wow, I thought that I knew what I was missing out on by not being able to have a child through any means. Um, but it was way, way better than that. And I was like, wow, you know, I almost let fear kind of keep us from that. And the more that you go through life, the more you realize that, you know, any deep love that you have for anyone is a risk, but it also is the most beautiful part of life. 
And I think although broken hearts are terrible, um, I think not having experienced it would have been so much more terrible. And I think about that a lot now when I think about, I don't know, relationships and love and like giving your heart to just people. And I don't even mean just your family members, but just risking to have like radical love and radical, radical kindness for people. And yeah, sometimes you're going to get really hurt, but, um, I feel like it all started with that first step of, of meeting Everly and just experiencing something so beautiful and sweet that I almost didn't think that I wanted to experience anymore because I was afraid. Do you ever, and, and again, you can kind of take this for what it is, but was there ever a thought in your head that, you know, once you kind of had resorted to the idea of, you know what, this is just not for me, like maybe I'm not cut out for this and, and it is what it is and let's, you know, love on everybody else's children. Do you feel like there was something that was clearly destined to be this way and as weird as this may sound like do you feel that your brother kind of like played a role in that yes Does that ever like and come into your it's mind? not weird at all and I'm so glad that you brought it up because when I look back on it all um my I actually got pregnant at the end of the year that he died because I and even though I didn't find out I was pregnant until later in the next year um and I just knowing my brother and knowing how much he would want us not to be hurting as bad as we were, especially my mom, who he just had a very special relationship with. And I think that he knew, I mean, first of all, I do feel like he sent her, but I also think that he knew that the only thing that could maybe spark joy in our hearts again, especially hers, was to send a grandbaby. And even my mom has talked about how healing it has been for her heart. It does not change anything. It does not make her heart ache any less for him or any of ours. And I smile and think all the time about, because he loved kids so much. He was really good with children. Um, And I think how he would have loved being silly with my girls. And, um, but I do feel like he, he knew that that was one of the only things that could have made us smile again. And, and it really did. And I all the time think that he has been a part of it. And I do, as weird as this could sound, think that he could like see it all playing out. And I picture him happy, so happy for us. Um, and, and I didn't say this earlier, but, um, you know, after such a very long time of not having any babies, once I did, and being told we weren't going to have any, um, once I did have Everly, I did have two other daughters in 2017 and 2019, which, I mean, just as much biggest loves of our lives. We, I mean, parenthood of young children is exhausting and crazy. But we look at each other and we're like, gosh, this is the most miraculous thing in life is to be able to just raise these beautiful little humans and that we get to have them. It's just the biggest honor and the biggest joy that we could ever imagine. What an incredible story from going to 
being told you cannot have children and, you know, trying every other way that you possibly can. And it just not working out to now having three pregnancies, right? Three children. Were your other two daughters just as much as the surprise? I mean, did you feel at that point? Like, okay, no, we have Everly, you know, we're good. Well, after we had her, I was like, listen, I, when I used to pray to God at night, I would say, dear God, please just give me one, just send me one baby because I just wanted one so badly. And so after she came, I was like, well, I did only ask for one. I mean, I don't think that's the way God, but, um, but actually um, just to give one more layer of hope after loss um, in case anyone listens that can understand the story when Everly, because we had never prevented pregnancy our entire marriage, we just kind of were like, well, let's just see what happens. Everly could be our one-time miracle and that's fine. Or maybe we will have other children. And um, when she was like six or seven months old, I actually did get pregnant again. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just like completely healed. This is amazing. And I did miscarry that baby at 13 weeks. And it was really, really hard. I mean, it, loss is hard. It's just hard um, because, of course, I already loved that baby too. Um, but it was much, much easier for me because I also had like this nine-month-old baby that I was cuddling at the end of the day as I was grieving that loss, which is much different than having your arms be empty. So I feel very blessed. Um, and then after I had the loss, I was like, I felt more like resolved to really have a sibling. So we did try on purpose and actually our girls are three years apart. So it didn't happen fast, but, um, I mean, we just were like, well, if it never happens, then it wasn't supposed to happen. And we have our child and we're so over the moon happy, but we did finally get pregnant with Fiona and after pregnancy, after loss, I was like on eggshells worried about another loss, but thankfully it was an uneventful, easy pregnancy. And then she came into the world and then with, but so I did find out I was pregnant with her. Like when I was like four weeks, because I was like very in tune with my body at this point. Um, and then after Fiona sure. was born, we felt very like, we thought that that was our family. We were really happy and we, we were, we started our family older. So we really thought we were probably done and that we were a family of four was great. And then when I was like finished breastfeeding and I, I got my first cycle back, I guess I was trying to like, you know, just do natural family planning or whatever. And Let's just say I got pregnant with Gwendolyn immediately. So that was kind of a surprise. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. And it was a surprise. And we were a little bit nervous because we we're like, whoa, like, I guess we are going to have to be careful in the future. But um, she is one and a half now, my littlest one. And the, the little sisterhood of the three is so beautiful and sweet. I love the way that they take care of each other. Of course, they also, you know, fight because they're sisters. But they're so sweet and I can't even imagine life without all three of them. And it feels like more than I could have dreamed of. And, but yes, Gwendolyn was our very sweet surprise. 
What would you want somebody to take away from your I love think story? That the biggest thing whenever I get to tell this story to anyone is that, you know, life is full of darkness and it's also full of unspeakable joy. And I think there's a lot of good things can happen after really terrible things. And I know that it's hard to see outside the darkness sometimes. And so I really just wanted it to be a story of hope after um, tragedy because inevitably life has both, but it ultimately is really beautiful and worth it. And I think when people get really down, I just want them to know that better things can be down the road or, or not even, or just really good things down the road, even if it feels like that's impossible right now. And I so appreciate you sharing your story. I know sometimes, you know, as beautiful as life may be in the moment, it's not always easy to talk about. So I appreciate you going into those details and sharing your story with us. You're doing awesome. And um, yeah, well, thank you so, so much. I look forward to listening to season two. Thanks for listening to Love Stream, love stories that tie us all together. Stay tuned for episode 22, where season two ends with you meeting Jean. Jean tells us the beautiful love story of growing up with her incredible parents. Jean's love story only grew throughout her childhood when she was given the gift of then meeting her biological family. If you have a love story you want to share for season three, we want to hear it. Email us at lovestringpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Until then, keep looking for it. Love is all around.